Welcome once again to another fantastic episode of the Business Creators Radio Show. We help business creators like you win at the game of business and marketing so you can thrive from your intersection of your brilliance and your passion and make a difference for your community, market, and audience. Please take a moment and visit our website, www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com. You'll find hundreds of episodes covering a breadth and depth of topics relevant to you as a business creator and links to subscribe via your favorite network so you get fresh episodes delivered straight to you. And now, here's today's episode. Let's get started. My name is Adam Homie. I am your host, and I am honored by your wise decision to tune in and invest in yourself today. Once again, the Business Creators Radio Show comes to you from my sumptuous balcony here in Las Vegas, Nevada, the hottest city in the world, or the hottest city in America, at least. I think there may be some hotter ones in other parts of the world, but to me, it's the hottest city in America. I moved here almost 10 years ago, and the only thing I regret about that decision is I didn't do it sooner when I first started having the thoughts. That's your quick lesson for the day, is you may never find the most optimal situation for yourself, but as long as you are continuously making adjustments and pivoting to move toward more of what you need and want and less of what you don't need and don't want, that's a good trajectory. That actually is kind of the underpinning for what we're going to discuss today. But before I do that, let me just remind our listeners that when you tune into Business Creators Radio, you are effectively the third person sitting in on a private mastermind conversation. Enjoy as my guest and I get inspired by what what we say to each other, the same way that a natural mastermind conversation would take place, and have your pad of paper and two pens out to capture those aha moments that will naturally arise and give you the slight edge as you move forward serving your community and market audience from your intersection of your brilliance and your passion. Speaking of things passionate, today's topic is something that I'm really passionate about. It's about taking your side hustle to a full-time business. This is a piece of what I do through one of my ventures, the Business Creators Institute. One of our avatars is the startup venue venture that's moving into revenue or the solopreneurial venture that's moving into leveraged entrepreneurship. I have a client. I'm not going to say her name, but most people know who she is. She uh, now has a nine-figure business with about four different divisions. She's written multiple books. Her podcast, I believe, is one of the top 10 on iTunes in the world for one of the major entrepreneurial categories. She is, has been on all sorts of major media. And when she was my client, she was an executive for a headhunting firm and did her coaching business on nights and weekends. How many times did I have to schedule calls with her to be coincident with her lunch break and she would speak with me while sitting in her car? So I know this stuff works and I know when it's intentional and I know when you have a plan and I know when you have the mindset and the tools to make it happen, you can take your side hustle and turn into a full-time business. I myself am also proof of that. My original business was a side hustle I remained a side hustle for two years because I didn't know what I didn't know. I didn't know questions to ask, and I didn't even know that certain things existed, particularly for someone like me. 
And I also believe that the time the phrase someone like me was supposed to be deprecating in any way. If I knew that now, what I knew then, my two years would have been shortened to 60 days. So let's shorten your path if we can. To help us with that today, we have Charles Alexander, avid listeners of the Business Creators Radio Show will recall that approximately two years ago, he was our guest where he was sharing his explainer video business. That was one of our great episodes. I remember it fondly. And now he's got a new thing that he's doing. And one of the themes behind it is this whole transition from side hustle to full-time business. So for those of you who are hearing about Charles Alexander for the first time, let me just read it off. His mission in life is to help entrepreneurs get focused and beat the odds of business failure. Charles is the director of the Small Business Development Center at Volunteer State College, where he provides one-on-one business coaching and teaches seminars to help entrepreneurs grow their businesses. Working with over a thousand entrepreneurs has helped him become a polished storyteller that uses humor and real-world experiences to educate others. In addition to coaching entrepreneurs, Charles also owns his own business, creating explainer videos for busy professionals. Lastly, and most importantly, he's happily married to his wife, Sarah, and is the proud father of three lovely children, Ava, Lily, and Lane. Charles Alexander, come on back. Come on in. The weather's fine. Good deal, Adam, my homie. How are you, friend? Oh, man. I tell you, I tell you, these past few years have gone by in a flash. I mean, I swear it still feels like it should be 2019. At the same time, I've accomplished so much. When you and I spoke back in 2019, my current venture, the podcast reach system, which is now, which is now right at that point where the long period of blood, toil, tears, and sweat is resulting in the overnight success, wasn't even a twinkle in my eye at that point. So that big fundamental change. I've also had a dramatic change to my hairstyle. I now look somewhat like you. Oh, yeah? uh, so I've, so I've up, up, I've up leveled a little bit. And, uh, and another, another thing that uh, has uh, changed here in the past couple of years is that uh, I have figured out how to find a $40 headset that allows me to have a decent sounding from the field type podcast while sitting out on my balcony. Yes, our listeners will occasionally hear a bird chirping, a leaf blower going, uh, a car coming in through the gate to our community. But you know what? If uh, Charles, if you and I were sitting out at the cafe, we were having ourselves a little mastermind chat and there were one or two other people at the table with us, we'd all be hearing that <clears> stuff <throat> too. It's good ambiance, a little, uh, little foley for the background for you. Exactly, exactly. So before, I, I just read off your official bio like I did two years ago, and still, two years later, I'm still not sure I'm worthy to be on this show with you, and it's my ah. show. That's how elevated you are here. Sure. But now, before we uh, get into this uh, side hustle to full-time business thing, what I want to do is, uh, again, and maybe it's a little bit of a different story this time, do the same thing we do at the beginning of all these episodes, <laughs> and have you tell us a bit about the story of your journey and what's brought you to where you are today, sure. serving business creators from your intersection of your brilliance and your passion, particularly as it pertains to the side hustle to full-time business continuum. Good deal, sir. I'll try to give you the uh, elevator pitch version. I grew up in a family that owned a wide variety of businesses, whether it be uh, retail and furniture and mattress stores, we did rent to own. Uh, parents eventually got into control climbing storage units and had a bunch of other things in between that they had done. And growing up, I'd always decided I would never be an entrepreneur. 
that did not look like fun and the stress and strain that I could see visibly yeah. uh, didn't look like something I would ever do. So uh, after graduating, I uh, went straight through, got a master's degree and uh, when I hit the real world, did a couple of corporate gigs. But one of the last ones I did was for a big company called ServePro and it is one of the top fire and water cleanup franchisors in the nation. Yep. Yeah, I've heard of them. Oh, great, great company, but I would train these brand new entrepreneurs on how to run their brand new little business they just purchased. Uh, and in, in doing that, I kind of got the bug back in a little bit, kind of could see that having some processes and procedures in place was really valuable. Later, I uh, took those skills and came to uh, uh, the local college here and started running this small business development center. And I'd highly encourage any of your listeners, wherever they are located, there is a small business development center at a college or university within driving distance of where they are located, where you can get really, uh, really good service at an excellent price. Excellent price being no yep. cost in almost all cases where you can get free one-on-one -on -one business coaching as well as low cost or free workshops. Right. And I've been doing that for 15 years now, about five or six years ago, I realized I find, I really needed to kind of take my own, uh, uh, medicine, so to speak, or eat your own dog food, uh, as we would say here in the South. Yeah. And I, I said, man, I, I've got to do this on my own. So I, I started playing around a little bit. I'd always been into creating training materials and writing and content creation and started off with some email newsletters, targeting uh, CPAs and, uh, banks. Well, one of the very first CPAs I worked with, I told him, hey, man, I can take these blog posts. I am writing for you and create a video at this much higher price. I really didn't think he would buy into it. I was trying to anchor price the blog post that I was writing for him. But lo and behold, he took me up on it and I had to learn how to create videos. So from there, I have uh, turned that over into a full-time business that now generates more money than I make uh, at my full-time job creating explainer videos, 90-second stories that I specialize in telling for financial advisors and insurance agents so they can kind of stand out in a crowd. That brings us right where we are today. Yeah. Uh, I am uh, adding a new side hustle that I'll take full-time as well, teaching people all over the country how to take their side hustle and turn it into a full-time business. And that's something I've been able to really learn how not just doing all my own, which I've done, but just teaching thousands of entrepreneurs here. And I've helped, uh, gosh, almost 300 people in our local community start businesses over the years. And I've got to see every trial, tribulation, mark it down, right? Figure out what works and what doesn't work. And I've boiled it down into uh, some, some key guides and checklists and some future training. That's fantastic. And, you know, I'm reminded from a couple of years ago, there are some similarities in our stories. I went to college. I, I was going to my original trajectory was I was going to go into law school and become an attorney. And then I decided right at the final semester of my super senior year, I went to Penn State. I wasn't staying there for just eight semesters. I had sure. to add an extra one uh, that uh, the last thing I wanted to do is be a lawyer. So I had a couple jobs after I graduated I, uh, one of them was so bad that I celebrate the day that I was forced to resign from it as my second birthday, April 27th. I, so the theme of the chapter I contributed to Journeys of Success Millennial Edition. And then, but I ended up going to Duquesne University, got my MBA in human resource management. And my goal at the time was to become a training development director for a Fortune 100. So it's funny that a couple months after I graduated with my MBA, 
I did the whole networking job offers. Uh, there was one company that actually wasn't quote unquote hiring, but like my MBA portfolio so much that they were going to create a position for me. They just weren't going to pay me enough. Right. Uh, they were, they were going to pay me $34,000 to relocate to Alexandria, Virginia. I don't think so. Not even in 2003 was that a viable proposition. Anyway, anyway, I started doing some side hustle work with small training and development firms, things like creating their presentations, doing the research behind their training materials and their books, designing their worksheets, analyzing their feedback data. Sound a little bit familiar? Sure. I uh, took that on the road. I took a couple other varieties type projects. I formed my limited liability company on October 28th, 2003. And then it still took 23 months for me to get out of my job and get into full-time entrepreneurship. It's, uh, it was the classic ox, and ox versus cart thing. Sure. It was also a matter of I didn't understand the power of good debt. The biggest mistake I made is I had a really crappy day at my last job. It was one of those ones that makes you question existentially what the hell you're doing in life sure. and it's the things that happened that day that are the reasons why every so often on the business creators radio show particularly on episodes about uh executive communications and stuff i refer to my boss's boss as a fucking obtuse moron <laughs> get it uh, yeah, and, our, and our listeners have heard heard me say that so that was the kick in the butt that got me to realize i gotta get this thing on the road i've been doing sure. this over a year and it still took me 10 months Sure. The mistake I made is the day that that crap went down, I told one of my clients about it, who was uh, also one of my business mentors, still a good friend of mine to this day. And he said, dude, here's the deal. I will give you $3,000 right now. I will commit to giving you $3,000 right now. If on Monday you go into your workplace, you hand them a piece of paper that says, I quit, and then go home and call me. I didn't take him up on it. Oh. The reason being is, and we're going to have to go inside here. The reason being is I didn't believe that someone like him would just give somebody $3,000. There's sure. two things. There's two things that, holy heck, we got a leaf blower going out there. There's two things I didn't understand. And this is, and this is more than the reason I wanted to have you in this, for this topic. I didn't understand, number one, that he was viewing giving me $3,000 as an investment in himself. He wanted to work with me a lot more. And the sooner I could get out of that job, the more time I had for him. So if he could give me that little boost that got me out of there, that was, he considered that an investment. He was happy to give me that money because that was basically the same as him investing in team resources. The other thing is, I didn't believe it was $3,000 I could do it. Well, son of a gun, when I... Ashley did make the jump two years later. I lasted three months on $2,000. And that's all, it's, and that's all it took to get me to the point where I had more money than time. So that's one of the many misconceptions that I share with people. That's why I tell that story. And I promise that most of the rest of this episode is going to be you talking. So we're going to turn <laughs> you loose now. And uh, you, gave me, you gave me some talking points. So I sure. wanted to find some terms first. In your, in your vision, Charles, what are some of the top reasons the startups fail? Well, it sounds like it, in what you just explained, uh, a lot of it 
people have is what they call imposter syndrome, which sounds yep. very pop culture uh, psychology uh, driven, but uh, and it sounds frou-frou, woo-woo, whatever you want to call it. I tried to find, I try to find another way to say fear because when you say fear, immediately people recoil and say, that's not me. I'm not afraid. I've got uh, all these responsibilities and things I've done in life, whatever you want to label it as. But first and foremost, it's the worry, the anxiety, the little piece of your lizard brain that says you can't do this because you put a threshold on top of whatever you see your value being. In your case, you thought 34,000. Nope, that wasn't it. It needs to be these X number of dollars. And when somebody tried to go above whatever you had envisioned your capabilities of, you couldn't do it. I mean, somebody else can't raise you to that point. You've got to rewrite your own story to get yourself to the place where you can do it. And I have to spend a lot of time coaching people through the fact that there are millions of small business owners out there, entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, whoever you are. And same as you do when you have to coach people on podcasts, yep. other people are doing it that are way less talented and way less interesting than you are. Yeah, You can do it. You just have to be able to rewrite that story in your head. And that's, that's something that, you know, people have to take that initiative to do, whether it's through journaling, reading, meditating, or just any, any method that's going to get you to that point. But that's one of the top reasons. Uh, the other reasons, one of the bigger ones is just a, a lack of experience. And yeah. it, it's, it's, it's a tricky one. How do you get experience of running a business until you have, uh, you know, ran a business? So in my case, I've got three kids at home ages 12, 10, and eight. And I remember when we had the very first one, I, Adam, I read every book, read every blog, listened to every know-it-all out there, but it was a world of difference between doing that and actually holding a crying baby in your arms. And then you just kind of yep. have to get to learn on the fly. So I always use the example I've got in the spring around here, it'll uh, start getting a little pretty. We'll get through our version of a winter and, and people will want to, let's say, start a business. And landscaping is always popular, either with people who have, you know, been, you know, in landscaping all their life or whether it's a guy with a corner office and a boring corporate job that wants to get out and work with his hands because he's having a midlife crisis. It's yeah. really easy to start. You can truck over to Lowe's, get you a zero-turn radius mower for 0% down on a Lowe's card, and, man, you are off to the races. The lack of experience comes into play. Is mowing yards is one thing. We've, you know, Most of us have done that, but have you ever promoted a business? Have you ever hired a crew of other people to do that work for you? Have you scheduled? Have you billed? Have you collected accounts receivable? Those are the things you run into very quickly, and those are the running the business aspect of it. So people have to translate those skills in. A um, couple of other good things to look at, money, or rather a lack thereof. That's why, I, that's that's one of the reasons, Adam, I'm, I'm really working on trying to find people who already have a current side hustle that are starting to build their little nest egg and have a realistic idea of what it takes to make money. If you take somebody who has a current full-time job and they are ready to quit and go launch I don't know, man, a restaurant or something else cool that sounds like it would be a lot of fun. You find out very quickly the amount of cash you have in the bank may not match up to what you need in real life. And that leads you over into some real cash flow problems. So first thing I tell people, and I would encourage you, and I'm sure you already do, is to figure out, tell them where that, find out where that financial gap is in their life. So if you're making, I don't know, say you're making seven, eight grand a month uh, and you're working on that current side hustle, it's at two or three or four. Well, you've got a gap of three or four or five grand, right? Well, yeah. figure out with your spouse or whoever or you on your own, 
create a home budget first. Go listen to Dave Ramsey, Susie Orman, put pen to paper and figure out exactly, exactly how much you have to have to keep the lights on. That means we cut cable and we go strictly to a, a rabbit ears or sling TV and we, we don't go to Longhorn Steakhouse now. We're going to grill out some uh, sirloins or cut up. Hey, man, down here in the South, we'll, we'll, we'll cut up a big, big piece of bologna and throw it on the smoker if we have to. Yeah. Uh, but, dude, cut, cut the expenses, figure out what that gap is, and save the money you need in order to get you by for three to six months while you grow the business. Those are, those are the big things. And, and I'll tell you what, a lack of planning. Man, people mistake thinking, talking about, dreaming, praying, whatever, or planning. It's not planning. It, it, it's in the right direction. It's in your head, at least. Um, Adam, you ever been on a cruise? Once. Once. Boy, that almost sounds like <laughs> you didn't even say once. Like, man, that was fun. You said once. and then Once, like, like, get me the hell back off, <laughs> off the boat and onto dry land. Uh, my idea of a cruise is when I take my vehicle up on the 15, heading toward Pahrump, and I blast it open. Yeah. You didn't like your cruise? Was it too shaky? Did you not Did you not like the food? Was the, uh, what was it? Uh, it, was a, it was a combination of, I just found the enforced leisure to be boring. I got heat exhausted despite all these measures that I took that I was assured would cause me to not get heat exhausted. And where it really jumped the shark for me is going to Stingray Island or whatever that place is where all the stingrays hang out. And the tour guides were showing the other tourists how to pick up and French kiss the stingrays. Ooh. Thinking these are called stingrays. They're not called teddy bears. And I ain't French kissing no aquatic land life. I'll be up in the boat, people. From that point, from that point we kind of had the... We kind of jumped the shark. I mean, you can almost see Fonzie uh, on this on the water skis going up in the oh, air yeah. on this one. Man, look, I can tell you. So when you're talking about forced leisure, that is one of the things I decided after I had kids that I kind of liked because I didn't have to do any thinking. So we'd been on a couple of cruises and the wife decided, uh, you know, now that we've been on cruises, we've been to Disney World. We need to combine the two in this hellish idea of a Disney cruise. Now, when I say hellish idea, for you, that would be for, for her and the kids, it was, ma you know, magnificent. You yeah. Everything you want right there, right there together. Now, in theory, the reason I like a cruise is because I don't have to think or plan or do. I just show up. They herd you around like cattle. They tell you what to do, when to do, and how to do it. For me right now, at this point in my life, that's fine and dandy. You're just, However, in, you're, you're just in a different chapter. That's all. That's it, dude. But let me tell you, my wife, on the other hand, is a planner to to a T. She's an accountant. She loves spreadsheets. Before we went on this seven-day Disney cruise, she did, man, she did a, 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 an Excel spreadsheet that had multiple tabs with color codes on them, V lookups, and had decided what we're going to do, when we're going to do, how we're going to do it, and what we're going to dress up like every night. By the time right. she got done planning for a cruise that needed no planning, I realized she's done more planning for this non-planned event than most entrepreneurs do for launching their small business. And I don't mean you need a 70-page business plan with charts and graphs, just a concept of what is the exact goal you're trying to reach? Is it a dollar amount? Is it a revenue amount? Can you break it down to weekly or monthly? Do you have some idea of the number of customers you need? What, what are your price points going to be? Have you written any of this down? Now, with that being said, it all changes. It's very fluid. But 
you've got to have a starting point and you've got to be able to think ahead of when things have to be done, who's going to do them and how they're going to be done. Real planning makes a lot of difference when you make that switch from the side hustle to the full-time business. Yeah. So in light of all this, uh, my question to you is, what is one simple thing that 90% of business owners miss? Being able to really focus in on what they need to do and get it done without being dragged down by the other a million things you think are important all day. So I'll, I'll give you a quick story here. Uh, yes, last, I love stories. Yeah, everybody loves a good story. So last year, a <laughs> uh, year and a half ago, March, it was uh, March 17th, St. Patrick's Day. I'm here at work. And, uh, you know, speaking of cruise ships, you know, this thing called a coronavirus is starting to creep on the land. And they've decided here at the college, like everywhere else, we're going to have to shut it down for a while. We're going to have to all work uh-huh. from home. And I'm thinking, okay, no problem. We'll ride this thing out two, three weeks. I'll be back in the swing of things. No issues. So, from that point for the next two to three months, I worked harder at home than I ever worked in the office. I had my cell phone and email blowing up like I was a customer service rep off in some uh, faraway land for Verizon during a uh, phone outage. It was awful. I was helping people through PPP, uh, which, you know, payroll protection loans and through idle uh, economic injury development, uh, disaster loans, not development. Uh, but just that, and those things were ever changing. They were changing the rules on them every day, how they operated. Business owners were being told they had to shut down. They didn't know what the rules were. And it was just absolute chaos. Uh-huh. So each day I'd have to get up for the crack, you know, not even at the crack of dawn before anybody else in the house did, cause I'm still running my own uh, independent business on top of this. And I'm trying to keep it on the rails. So I, I make a list. Here's all the things that are important. I've got to do this, this, and this, and this. Well, you know, I just told you the story about having three kids and I'm there, there too. My yes. poor wife is, has always been a solopreneur and she's bless her heart. It's always kind of eye rolled at me. You know, anytime I try to give any business counseling advice, cause there's no profit in, in, in his hometown, so to speak. Uh, and I, and I kind of realized very quickly the issues that she's always ran into that most of my entrepreneurs have told me about working from home or even working in the office and on your own, it can be difficult. So as I'm working through the day and I'm, man, I'm trying to get focused. Each of my kids come in and interrupt me uh, in their own due time. You know, Lane, my eight-year-old son couldn't get on his Zoom call. And then Lily, 10-year-old, she came in crying because she couldn't figure out how to get on a Google Classroom. And then Ava, the 12-year-old, was, I don't know, torturing somebody, making somebody cry, and then explaining (laughs) to me why it wasn't her fault before they ever even told on her. So we're just rotating this. And I finally, I I broke down and, and, and used some I, I didn't call them uh, an F and obtuse, obtuse moron, but I came really close <laughs> to saying everything like that. Yeah. And I, you know, I'm like, man, I felt bad, but screw it. I got to sit down. I got to get focused. And at that point, I remember vividly over the next like 10 to 15 minutes, I had a client email. Made me think of, okay, yep, that's on the SBA website. So I'll go to research. I get to the SBA website. Oh, there's something new there. I need to read that. Oh, a video. I should watch this. And then I watched the video for a minute. And then it made me think, oh, that's right. There's something on LinkedIn that's like, let me go over there and look. And I go over there and look. Oh, and then I noticed I got a notification. Somebody sent me a message. So I check out the message. And that reminded me, oh, I got a text. I got to return. Dude, it's 15 minutes later. And I'm exhausted. And I have bounced from item to item to item. And I accomplished nothing. From right there at that point is when I really decided to dig deep 
think differently and made a big change on how I do my priorities daily. So the big thing that I think most entrepreneurs miss is the ability to focus. We're bombarded with about 50,000 advertising messages a day. Yep. We can be really busy going from our cell phone, looking at a text or going back to Facebook or doing a bit of internet research and then making a phone call and then checking a voicemail and then starting a project, getting bored, moving on, come back to it later. And you don't make any progress. You're doing dozens of different things and you are tricking your brain into thinking you are really productive and really busy. And the only thing you are is multitasking. And there's no such thing as true multitasking. If you're trying to do two or three different things at once, you're doing them all poorly and making zero progress. But I always recommend to people is find the two or three things that only you can do in your business. And that's what you focus on. Everything right. else gets delegated and automated. Well, uh, you know, couple th- couple things on that. Yeah, focus is very important. So I'll just reveal very quickly a few things I've done <clears throat> with the podcast reach system and how we uh, and how I manage my day. So number one, I've adapted everything so I can enjoy the laptop lifestyle. I can work from anywhere. So I have my home office. I have my balcony. I have a cigar shop I hang out at. I have a coffee shop I hang out at. And I have a couple other hidden locations uh, where I happen to know that there's quiet comfort and good Wi-Fi. Sure. So the reason I do that is because I discovered that my energy lasts longer when I relocate every few hours. Same thing. uh, You start your car every once in a while and that keeps your battery from going dead. Right. Once in a while you pick up and move the change in scenery also changes your neurological functions. So we want to get into neuroscience and it may bring out a different type of energy. So I may go one place because I need to be in my writing energy, my creative energy. I may go another (laughs) place because I need to be in in my networking social media energy. I may go a third place altogether because I need to be in my brainstorming energy. So I have different places, different venues. That's one item. Another item is that all my, all my calls are scheduled. I, uh, if, if you were to ask me, Hey man, when's a good time to talk? I'm going to say, I don't know. Go to schedulewithadam.com, pick a time, put yourself in. And in the future, don't even ask, just put yourself in. Right. I, I, I mean, I invest in multiple websites, not web pages, websites, the entire purpose of which is to facilitate people getting on my calendar. Um, I don't text with anybody for business for any reason, because kinesthetically, that creates an interruption. Uh, if you want to have textual conversation with me, here's how it works. If you are somebody who's giving me money in exchange for something and you're doing that at a certain level, then uh, ideally I'll add you to my Skype if you have Skype. And that way, because uh, I have that on, on all my computers and all my devices. Otherwise, uh, we can use the inbox on either Facebook or LinkedIn. And if you need something out of, outside of your mandatory weekly call, uh, you can type three words, got a sec. And as soon as I have a sec, I'll give you a sec. So there's a balance there. But as far as like randoms and, and stuff off the transom and all sorts of, hey, man, can we hop on a call real quick? No, oh, yeah. we can't. No, we can't. You can hop on www.schedulewithadam.com and pick a time and confirm it. That's what you, that's what you can hop on. And right. I will and uh, just put in the form, tell me what you want to discuss, and I will be rip-roaring ready when we get there. That's, 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 another, that's another thing. Furthermore, this is the third piece 
is I designed the podcast reach system elite packages in such a way that when my volume is low and I want to keep all the money for myself, then other than my graphic designer and my assistant who handles some of the boring WordPress stuff for me, I do most of the work myself. So I keep most of the revenues and the profits. It's also designed in such a way where if I get a lot of reach projects all at the same time, the the greater percentages of those that I can outsource are things that any common virtual assistant can do. And I have people in my orbit who keep me aware that they are looking for more work of that type, where at any time I could call them up and say, hey, you know what? I got, I, I'm, I'm, I'm bursting with reach projects here. Uh, you think you could, uh, you think you could uh, jump in for a while and do step two of this for me? So I already have the framework there that it can either be something done solo or it can be leveraged. So it can go either way and it can, and it can follow the ebbs and flows of my cash flow. That's something that to me, a lot of people miss. They're going for either the type of thing that uh, they can do themselves and keep all the money or they're looking for something they absolutely just leverage the whole damn thing. Right. I have one that can go either way. It's a switch. So that is, uh, some, that is something, and the reason I bring that up is because think about side hustles. Often with side hustles, you don't have a lot of money. You don't have a lot of funding. It's difficult to get funding because it's a side hustle. It doesn't have a lot of things that would attract even a non-traditional lender, at least not at that stage. And uh, you have limited time to develop it, develop it, much less do it. Leverage often happens when you go full time. So with that, uh, the next thing I want to ask you is, you know, how should you, in your estimated opinion, build your business to scale the right way? Because with this transition, we are dealing with scale. Yes. That is one of the biggest issues that people run into is what you just said. You can either be king of the castle or you can actually make a real living. If you want to be the one that does every single thing in your business and you want to keep it small and you want to take on the risk of if ever, anything happens to you that you couldn't really continue the business, you're more than able to do that. And a lot of folks will do that. Obviously, I'm not a, a super big fan of uh, that type, but uh, that's to each his own or folks can do a little bit of what you've done. So what I tell people when you start that side hustle and while you've got your full-time business, it's easy for you to document what you're doing every moment of every day. I did this a couple of years ago on my own with this explainer video business. I was doing everything. I was doing all the, all the content, all the writing, all the follow-up, closing the sale, writing the script, sometimes the voiceovers. Some, you know, I would create the video from beginning to end. And I finally got to a point where I decided to practice again with a little bit of what I've preached with other people and seen other businesses that I've worked with do. And that's the painful process that really works if you'll just document either in a spreadsheet or even a legal yellow pad. I used a spreadsheet, called it a daily time tracker, and ended up using it not just a day or two, not just a few weeks, but months. I would type out every single thing I was doing. Uh, Clockify is a Google extension, by the way, that Yep. I'm, I, I, yep. Fantastic. I've used it. It's good. Fantastic. Much better than the spreadsheet I was doing. But over a course of a week, let's say you, you will stop what you're doing and write it down. The argument I get is that I'm too busy to stop and write it down, which means you probably need to scrap the whole thing to begin with. That's your mindset. But write down what you're doing. At the end of the week, you can go back and take a look at all of the tasks, batch them together, and figure out 
what do I prioritize that only I need to be doing? And what is something that you said in a minute, a minute ago, uh, a virtual assistant could do, or that could be automated by another tool. So once you get all of that together, find out those tasks that you can immediately outsource. Then you want to create a one page SOP, standard operating procedure. Doesn't have to follow any kind of brilliant guidelines. What I've done in many of my cases where it was a process oriented, where I was working on, you know, gathering clients through LinkedIn or email follow-up or adding a spreadsheet. You create a video using a video capture and there's a ton of Google uh, extensions that will allow you to do this very easily for free. Screenomatics, one of them. And just kind of bumble through it. Do this, click that, write this, do this. And, you know, out VAs you can find on Upwork.com at literally seven, eight, nine bucks an hour all over the world. Uh, the Philippines, for whatever reason, has created an entire cottage industry toward this. Uh, I've got uh, uh, a VA that is absolutely fantastic. But anytime I need something done, I... I outsource to her and she always does as good or not better job than I ever do at any of those areas, uh, just following a one page SOP. And from there, you can start building your team out for other things you have to do. So when I'm looking at, at this point, my explainer video business is more than double since you and I have spoke last. Yep. I have a script writer. I have a voiceover actors that I get through uh, Fiverr. I have... Uh, video animators. I've got a couple that are, you know, all over the world that I, I can send this work to. So the way you scale that business is making sure that you are taking yourself out of every small 10 to $15 an hour task and that you're only working on the highest priority items that only you can do. And in most cases that, that may be closing sales or writing content or high, as, high aspects of whatever your business needs to be. But I, I encourage any of you so like you were saying uh the the tool you use i use uh, calendly i don't take any calls that aren't booked through calendly uh, and there's you know book me and schedule me and whatever else it's all yep. out there but everything else i handle is either google drive asana or pipe drive pipe drive is a crm that ties in with gmail very well and i've got a lot of clients that use a variety of other tools uh that they, they've done over the years of working with them, whether they were a part-time caterer, part-time landscape, part-time consultant, part-time digital marketer, but they got out of the aspect of dupli duplicating every single thing they do because they narrowed down the tasks they didn't have to do that could be automated. So using uh, PipeDrive as a CRM and, and Asana, which is a project management uh, tool, and, and there's dozens of those that are out there that just happens yep. to be the one that I use, but all of these integrate together. So when you enter it in one place, you know, if it needs to go into the other one and there's, you know, additional tasks that have to happen within your business to go from A to B, they can be automated through there or you can have uh, somebody else shuffling through there and you just need to check in on it as much as you can throughout that process. Uh, but those are the quick things. Write it all down, figure out who can do it. That's not you. Find and don't and please don't hide behind that nobody wants to work anymore and uh, people are quitting their jobs at record paces i know that's the case but i can promise you there's somebody out there that considers 
working and doing things for you as their side hustle. You know, there, yep. there are people left and right that will, that will take on those additional tasks as well or better than you for dirt cheap and, and outsource those things. And then you can really focus on growing the business instead of working in the business. You know, what I like to tell people, and, uh, and Charles, you may remember from two years ago, and our listeners know this as well. Sometimes I go for the WTF value when I say things. You know, I, uh, at one point in my business, I had a virtual assistant who was an active porn star. Whoa. I mean, she, she, need, she needed money too, and she wanted to diversify her streams of income. Uh, virtual assistance was one of those streams. So the point being is, if someone like, you know, someone in, in that industry is looking to support entrepreneurship, uh, what about all these people who are going through the great resignation right now? What about, sure. uh, what about the, uh, what about the, the work at home, or, or excuse me, the, uh, the work at home mom who's looking for something that is only three hours a day. And in fact, this can actually cure some of your leverage blahs. You work with some companies and they'll want you to make a minimum commitment of a ridiculous amount of hours that you can't afford, right. or there's a package just way too big and they won't take you on because you're just too small potatoes for them. Well, there's somebody out there who is either skilled or can become skilled very, very quickly who would leap at the opportunity to spend an hour a day with you. I agree, man. I, I know several right now uh, that, and like you said, and, and you know, and, and it's not to be sexist, but you're right. There's a lot of stay-at-home moms who used to be stay-at-home the dads. There's a few. I, there I, are. I I I know some stay-at-home dads. I mean, we can but, be fair and balanced here. No, it's, no, no. It's I, same thing. Yeah. And, and I'm not calling you out. I'm just saying that I know a bunch of stay-at-home moms. Oh, I only yeah. know a couple of stay-at-home dads. Dad, uh, dads seem to be less organized. There's something wrong with us. But either yeah. way, <laughs> but but hey, but you're a hundred percent right. I and. and you know, it, it just takes a little looking, a little asking sometimes. And, and one of the things that I've had to learn, you know, you, you can be you can be quick to uh, let somebody go, you know, tell them it didn't didn't work out. You appreciate the time and effort. And there's somebody else right around the corner that will be able to fill that role and fill that niche. And that's you've got to be willing to do that. And it's going back to that fear, that worry, that anxiety, that if somebody else takes this on, they won't do it as good as I am. Cause if you want something done right. You got to do it yourself, which is yep. fine. If you want to have a haircut like mine and I guess now yours, but if you really want to grow a business and have something where it runs without you having to babysit it, you're going to have to learn to delegate, automate and deal with a little bit of imperfection here and there. Yeah. Oh, and as far, and as far as technologies, I mean, you uh, mentioned some common ones, Calendly, Asana, I think you mentioned, and, uh, and some others. Uh, there, there are some different ones that I'm familiar with. For my scheduling needs and my business, I use OneTop, which is the owner of Schedule Once, which you named uh, slightly off, but you named it. Uh, and for one of our clients through the Business Creators Institute, they have an asynchronous and asynchronous and internationally distributed virtual team where you have such a huge variety and diversity of personalities, work styles, and process flows that there's no way you're ever going to get all these people to all agree to do the same thing the same way. Right. So the way we solve that is simply using a project management system and using the simple methodology of leaning on dependencies, meaning once I complete this, 
this will trigger something that somebody else has to do. Or I know that in three days that this task, which has been assigned to me, is going to open up. And I know the person who needs to complete X so that I can do Y is currently assigned to it and they're working on it. So that way we don't have to deal with time zones and, and uh, you, know, pe you know, different people feel different ways. And it's also an extremely simple system we use. Uh, yeah, my, my opinion on the, you know, if you want to use a project management system, I believe that the one that you're comfortable with yep. that does the stuff your business you need to do is the right one. Not, get, not, 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 not the one that some affiliate promoter is saying right. is the one that if you don't have, it, you're not in business. I think the one you like is the right one. So for this particular client, teamwork, and it works really well. Uh, so, so again, I just want to also impress that when you're developing these systems, uh, I'll say that again. Uh, when it comes to deciding what your tech stack is going to be, what your automation stack is going to be, and you're going to see there are 10 different options. And as soon as you pick one, somebody's going to show up and yep. say you're making a huge mistake and you got to use oh, mine instead. Never, yeah. And by the way, I have an affiliate link. Yeah, that's the reason why. Uh, the bottom line is the one you like working with because you have to enjoy it. You have to like it or it's going to be tedious and you're going to lose your stick-to-itiveness. You have to like it, have fun with it, and it's got to serve the essential needs you need it to, to serve. Once you achieve those three things, it's the right one. I completely agree. I get asked that question all of the time. Most of the uh, people that will come into a small business development center are looking, uh, as I would say, for blocking and hackling advice, not necessarily strategic. People always feel like that tactics beat mindset and principles, and it's just not the case. Uh, I, I can give you all day long examples of what clients use for bookkeeping, project management, uh, you know, their email system, you know, their email service that they use for marketing and they can have arguments over MailChimp versus constant contact and active campaign. But I say exactly what you do. And I would reiterate, use the one that you're comfortable with. Uh, the caveat I always tell folks, make sure it, you know, try to find some stuff that's going to integrate together a little bit. And yeah. if you get to a point, you see that, oh, I should have actually used monday.com or Monday versus Asana. You know, it's cool. You're going to have to change a few times. It, it's not like it was, you know, 20, 30 years ago where you had just four softwares and you figured out how to make it work. You have a lot of options now and you need to be willing to, to, to move, to pivot as bad as I hate that word. Well, you, you know, uh, Charles, I, I think of it the way I think of web hosting. And I've been around a long time and have seen a lot of evolutions in the web hosting industry. Uh, I made the mistake once of becoming a fanatic loyalist of a particular web hosting company. And then uh, when they were like a scrappy young entrepreneurial venture, they did really good customer service. Then they got bought out by a conglomerate and, uh, they, and their organizational structure went to hell to the point where they had a level of reseller web hosting that in their marketing said, this is optimized for WordPress. So we got all our clients to put our word, their, all their WordPress sites on it. And their servers constantly went down. And then when we asked what happened, they say, oh, it's because you're running WordPress. Really? Yeah. I'm running WordPress hosting to run my WordPress sites and WordPress is crashing it? And you're yeah. going to blame me for that? So the point I bring up is it's good as long as it's good. But when you run into situations like that, then you just got to move. Uh, I mean, you, uh, I... 
I have a couple web hosting companies I really like right now. I mean, I'll say the names. Uh, Liquid Web is one. I've had really good luck with them. And WP Engine is also a very good one. Some of our clients use that in, 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 uh, on the uh, consulting side. And it's, it's also a good one. Uh, as, long as, they, as long as they're good, you know, use them. But, if, yep. uh, if, but, I'm, but I'm not going to dump them just because somebody comes along and says, oh, this other one gives you five more gigs of RAM or something like that. So sure. what? If I don't need the five gigs, I'm not going to get it. But if my business has simply outgrown their model or their culture changes and it begins to affect me, then yeah, I'm outie. Peace. Sure. Yeah. That, and, and, and to me, that's also a mindset. So again, the one you are comfortable with, the one you're going to actually enjoy working with, because this has to be fun, and the one that meets your needs of your business right now and is in alignment with your foreseeable expansion plans as much as reasonably possible. And if you have to make another decision a year later, then you make another decision a year later. So what I want to move on to now, and this is really, uh, this is really something, and it may be a little bit of a recap, it may be something new, but what are a few of the hidden do's or don'ts for taking your business full-time? Let's really drill down on that transition sure. now from, as we wrap up here, from the side mm -hmm. hustle to the full-time entrepreneurial venture. Yeah. Let me, I'll start off with a quick don't, and this is one I get. Every single month I teach a workshop on starting a small business. The number one thing that holds people back from starting their business that they come to that workshop for is they want this magic checklist that will keep them safe and warm and make everything perfect. <laughs> and, and folks, when I say that, the, the top thing people will say, I want to make my business legal and I don't want to get in trouble, which is already a non-entrepreneurial thing to say. What they're asking about is I want to make sure I've got my taxes paid, this exact license I need, the exact insurance, the exact uh, corporate setup if necessary. And in what I tell people is in virtual, at least here where I am, and I think it's the same as in most counties and most states, you have an opportunity to start a hobby business. There's usually a threshold for two, three, four, five thousand $5,000 where your local county, city, governments, nobody cares. They're going to let you sell muffins out of your kitchen or go to the uh, uh, local uh, pop-up store and, and peddle whatever, whatever right. creation you have. Do that first. Get a proof yep. of I'm, concept in. Yep. Test I'm, your I'm, idea. I'm familiar with that. Yeah. yeah. I, have, <clears throat> I, have, I have a friend who bakes stuff out of her kitchen right. and, yeah. uh, she, and she intentionally only does so much just to right. stay under that threshold. And, and, she does it, and she does it for extra money because <laughs> it's fun. Well, people have this idea that there's a, you know, these, uh, a bad guy in a trench coat's going to come beating on your door as soon as you go to, let's say, $3,001. And I can tell you, whoever you think, uh, whether it's the uh, IRS or zoning board or whoever you're afraid of, they don't know about you. You can get medium-sized to large, and they still most likely don't know about you. But you need to focus in on more than anything else is not spending money on getting things trademarked that don't exist or spending uh, tens of thousands of dollars on systems and processes and procedures and websites. You got to go throw some stuff against the wall with people who aren't just your friends and just your family, but they're falling into your particular, as you said, avatar, your niche, your target customer, and get bruised up a little bit. Figure out what they like or don't like. Make changes to your product, to your service. Uh, to where you can find happy customers that are willing to pay and that is still something that you like doing for a living. Uh, so don't get hung up and making sure that 
You've got your I's dotted and T's crossed. You know, the yeah. big thing that I tell people, get a bank account and get some uh, liability insurance. If you can see that though, you know, you start taking off a little bit, you make two, three, four, 10 grand, then go back, fill the thing. Nobody's going to beat yeah. you up. Yeah. Or if you do, you'll be the first I ever heard of. And you can go get your city license and county, county license. I don't even, Adam, I don't even tell people that they must go out and form a corporation. You got insurance as your first line of defense. Uh, if you're in a litigious, uh, you know, potential uh, business, then, you know, maybe consider it. But in a lot of states and a lot of counties, the LLC and S corporation, there's some additional taxes that people don't know about. And I know every attorney, CPA or whoever that just heard that uh, just absolutely cringed, but it's not necessary for everybody. So don't wait to get permission to start. Uh, that's, that's the death of uh, startup entrepreneurship. So to yeah. a, uh, to a do, <laughs> I've already hit on this. I'm going to re-hit on it. Um, yep. figure out what your top priorities are that the one thing you can do in your business that if you do well, will make everything else fall into place. A good book, uh, to read is, uh, the one thing, uh, it, it, you know, captures it very perfectly. So think, thinking of this, uh, one more quick story, um, at a, a client a few years back, pest control business that wanted to increase revenue, you know, lower uh, employee turnover, you know, wanted to get their reservices down a little bit where they have to go back out and give a client service because they weren't at home. So they focused on one very specific thing, and that was customer uh, follow-up and customer uh, uh, communication. So if you, Adam, you've hired a pest control company to come out and spray inside, outside, get all the uh, cockroaches, cockroaches and spiders in the past, they would just, you know, they, you'd be the third Thursday of every month and they didn't say much about it. Now they send you a text email and even have an automated uh, calling system. The point being is that when you get that text, it's, they know, they know you got it. When you got that email, it tells you Charles Alexander is coming. He, he, you know, here's his picture. Here's a few fun facts about him. He's, uh, uh, an avid Tennessee Vols fan and his rainy days are, pet peeves, you know, are uh, uh, pet peeves or rainy days that and, and people that don't smile, whatever. So when you show up, you they recognize who I am. So that made the employees happy because customers were happy to see them. Customers were at home. They didn't have to go out and do reservices as much. The employee turnover went down because, you know, people weren't as upset that they had missed the, you know, the the appointment and they were even able to collect more money while they were on site. So accounts receivable went down. It sounds so silly, but that was a top priority thing that they could focus in on that made everything else click. So make sure you always focus in on what that is and it can change throughout your business. Yeah. All right. So one quick point I want to make here, uh, and this is not a disagreement, but it's a mindset thing. Uh, you know, you discuss the idea of up to a th certain threshold. Your business is essentially a hobby and right. you can kind of run it under the radar. So you want to you want to do a business where you bake birthday cakes. All right, so bake some birthday cakes in your kitchen. Uh, just keep it under a certain level, do it for fun, and enjoy the cash. Right now, now, or you know, if you're doing a little consulting on the side, uh, have them uh, pay pay you the money and just go on your, with your life. Now, when you get to the point where it's moving beyond a hobby, or you know, in terms of the size, and you decide you really want to scale this, you're thinking this side hustle may be the one I want to make into my full-time gig. The moment you make that decision, then yeah, get your incorporation stuff done. Now let me now let me clarify that further. That doesn't mean you become an amateur attorney and you nope. spend 25 hours 
researching, should it be a C-Corp or an S-Corp, should it be an LLC, a straight corporation, an LLP, or, or, any, or an LTD if you're in the United Kingdom or anything else, you know, don't, or, or a GMB, I think, I think that's the German one, if I remember correctly, you know, don't bog yourself down with that. There are a lot of companies out there that you pay them a few hundred dollars and they just do it for you. So you give them a few hundred dollars and they will, they will do the following steps. They will file all the paperwork to create your, your corporation. They'll, uh, they'll set up the S core, the C core, whatever it is. And they'll even do the thing where they um, have the head of that incorporation firm serve as the president of your company for one day to facilitate all the signups and then have your board of directors vote to accept his resignation or her resignation and appoint you in her place. They send you a binder and voila, now you have a corporate entity. <clears throat> uh, and then, and the other thing about that is do it so that in combination with your liability insurance, you have some protection, which is good. And also with the incorporated entity, you now can start leveraging the laws on the books that are designed to help small businesses practice proper small business taxation so you don't get raked over the coals as a sole prop. But that's the mindset you have. You get, I mean, and if you want to get into, well, I want this other LLC to own my house and I right. want this LLP to own my cars, you ain't there yet. Uh, so you wait, you wait until you really get going until you start with the idea why I have the the ink that's going to own the LLC to run the tax losses through it. And I'm actually going to get paid by this other partnership, uh, which also is the co-owner of my house from which I lease my office space. Uh, yeah. When you get to, when you get into seven figures, then deal with that. So you get, you get an entity done and you give the entity a name that makes sense, but don't obsess over the name of it. Like my Correct. corporate entity is called assess communicate. I've been in five different businesses and every single one of them, one way or another, applies to either assessing or communicating or both. Huh. So, I mean, I picked that name intentionally for a reason. It was artfully vague. And your corporation name does not have to be your branding name. I have the Business Creators Institute. I have the Podcast Reach System, which is the development arm of the Podcast Creators Institute. I have a couple other little things in development right now. And then, uh, you know, if, if you want to, you can follow a DBA if you, if you want to. I'm not going to tell you not to. Check with an attorney because I'm not a lawyer. This is not legal advice. So make that decision in line with your own truth. But, you know, <clears throat> it's, not, it's not like I would form a company called Assess Communicate and then my coaching, my products, my mastermind, uh, and my seminar all have to be called Assess Communicate. You're allowed to give things different names. You don't have to follow DBA for every one of them. And, uh, if, you're, and, if, and, if, you're, and if you're concerned about uh, trademark violations, make friends with a good trademark attorney who will every so often allow you to give them $50 for 15 minutes of their time to quickly answer your questions and give you the go or no go. Sure. And, there, and then there's your, because I have that. And, uh, and that's part of the reason we ended up calling it the podcast reach system. It originally had another name, but we became concerned that we might bump up against a larger competitor. And so I spoke with her for 15 minutes and she told me all the reasons why changing the name would probably be a smart idea, but don't obsess over that either. If you sure. have to change it. Yeah. But you know, remember, I'll, I'll, and I'll close with one story. And I think this has to do with the mindset here. Um, there are these Post, there are these blog posts on the internet. They have screenshots of all the famous Steve Jobs emails where 
Uh, you get to see how he communicated by email. One of the most famous ones was uh, when there was an issue where Apple had concerns about somebody who wanted to put an app in the app store and the and they and they sent Steve Jobs this really long email. Uh, there was just all this uh, about, oh my God, uh, our name and everything. And Jobs replied, change your app's name. Not that big of a deal. And, and, he was, and, and what he was doing, he was, he was actually giving them sound advice. He's like, dude, all you got to do is just change the name. Big freaking deal. Yep. Yeah. So if you're married, if you're too married to the name of your app, then you're actually got it backwards because now what if a better name for that app would be more marketable? You just cut yourself off by being too invested in the name. And he was just giving them some sound advice. Look, you, you're hitting a brick wall. We don't want to run your app because of the name of it. Just change the name. We'll run your app. What's the big deal? Easy thing to understand that so many people get hung up on all of the minor details that don't really matter later. Yep. Well, let's, uh, let's, uh, let's wrap up here. Uh, so many great lessons. And what I want to do uh, you know, here at the end is just give you one minute, uh, tell people where to find you and uh, what they have to look forward to when they contact you. Like, how do you help people with this whole side hustle to full-time business thing? Hey, man, I made it really easy. So to find me, you go to yourcharlesalexander.com. I didn't stress over the name whatsoever. And right there, yep. you can learn about explainer videos and taking your side hustle to full-time business, both. The thing I have in place right now for your listeners are, is if they'll go to that website and go to the side hustle piece of it, they'll be able to find an extensive checklist on uh, everything they need to do to take that side hustle into a full-time business. Remember, I was telling you earlier that people live and die by checklist, even though I tell them there's other bigger things to worry about. I give them the checklist to get it up and out of the way. And then a future reference, I'll be uh, creating some additional materials and they'll be the first to find out about them. All right. So let me say that website one more time. It's uh, www.yourcharlesalexander.com. I love that. It's got pizzazz. And with that, Charles Alexander, I want to thank you so much once again for coming back to the Business Creators Radio Show. Just like last time, it's been an honor and believe me, an education. And I look forward to what you launch next year so we can have you back a third time. Fantastic, Adam. I appreciate it and have a good time on that hot deck. All right. We trust you enjoyed today's episode of the Business Creators Radio Show. Check out our previous and upcoming episodes on our website at www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com. While you're there, be sure to subscribe via your favorite network so you get fresh episodes delivered straight to you. Until next time, have a great day. Take care.